This is Michael Coe from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet, only on the No Phony Podcast Network. to Heroes Garage, where we preview, review, and discuss science fiction, fantasy, and superhero movies. Mr. Bill, how are you doing yes, today? Yes, sir. I am doing great. I had a jalapeno, uh, is it jalapeno, jalapeno, jalapeno Something grilled like that. on a hamburger. That was a one a spicy hamburger, let me tell you. I love spicy food. In fact, my tolerance for spicy foods has elevated significantly since i've been on the whole 30 man i love it loved it yeah yeah i put together a pico de gallo mix for the mornings as i railroad your little story (laughs) (laughs) trample away trample away uh let's just say habaneros are part of it and jalapeno definitely part of the mixture love it yeah, it's just good. I mean, when you grill them, man, oh, yeah. something magical happens. Yes. How you feel? Well, I have a second one with my name on it, so I can't okay. wait, Tom. That's cool. So we that means that we have kind of a deadline for this review today. And Bill, <laughs> we are going to be doing part two of Dark, the Netflix uh, original show. You know what I realized about this? is You could do a year's worth of podcast on Dark. Yes. Truly. I'm not kidding. There no. Are so facets, you know? Yeah. Every, almost every episode you could spend an entire hour discussing. Yeah, at least. And, at least. And you know what? People are loving it. I'm looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score, which is the end-all, be-all of all metrics. <laughs> that was for you, Bill. <laughs> I, I agree, Tom. <laughs> yeah. And the tomato meter gives it a 100%, and the audience, me and the audience, give it a 97%. Wow. I had to say that I completely agree. I was telling somebody the other day, I must say this is one of the most impressive, if not the best time travel show I've ever seen. This is what the critics are saying, just to piggyback on your your uh, words, the critics' consensus right off of Rotten Tomatoes. Dark's sumptuous second season descends deeper into the show's meticulously crafted mythos and cements the series as one of the streaming's strongest and strangest science fiction stories. Yeah, I would throw in ever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Give it that Bob Costas twist. Yeah, ever. That's my... Of all time. Of all time. (laughs) 
It's true. It's true. There is, uh, you know, with each now having gone through t- two seasons, there is still a lot of mystery left. At the same time, there was a lot of reveal uh, within the second season. And, yeah. um, you know, it, they know how to do it right. This is it. I, I felt in when I finished watching this that I am truly um, reading a book, a science fiction book, because you are really turning the pages of every single scene that you see. And that's how well written this is. Yeah. And they stretch it over. They add a few years to the season and I'll explain what that means. In season one, we were looking at 1986, 1953, and 1921, if I'm getting those years right. Yeah, well, and we started in 2019. 2019, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's four years. This year, they add, it starts off in the year 2052. Correct. And so they kind of split the time, even fracture it a little bit more. Um, and I think that's what makes this interesting is they're connecting these threads, following characters in several different generations, stretching over a hundred year period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, truly, I mean, you feel like you are Jonas, the older Jonas, uh, putting pictures and strings and, uh, Claudia, I think did that as well. And, and, um, they're all like had their their boards with and Charlotte did too. So you have Clara, Claudia, Charlotte, and Jonas all have their versions of pictures and strings and org charts all on the wall. So we yes. can all understand, Tom. Yes, and we do understand everything. Wink, wink. <laughs> so let me set the stage here. This is a story that begins episode one, season one, with a couple of significant events that gets us interested. So we have the, the case of two missing children and a suicide. And right. now the suicide, was that, whose father was that again, Bill, as I failed to track? Jonas's, that okay. was Jonas's father, who is also Mikhail. Right. And later in the show if we remember we'll get to the funniest line about aunts and uncles and everything else and how they're all related to each other um and from there don't forget those yeah things kind of splinter and fragment in all the most interesting ways as these characters start to some of them figure out ways to travel through time through this passageway a bridge and some of them travel through time using a time machine. And some of the characters who are in the time periods where these characters travel to are very confused by some of the sights that they see. <laughs> um, and, and rightly it, so. And rightly so. And I think, Bill, you had a nice summary statement in our pre-production meeting earlier today that, if you can recall, would help kind of provide the backdrop for us rather than us try to go like dot for dot, which would just confuse everybody. Yeah, I think so. That's great. I think that what's interesting is the seek mundus Christus, right? Um, est. And we Whatever have to realize. Say. Yeah, well, that's what everything's surrounding, right? Seek mundus. This is the society that it's translated in English as thus the world was created. And, um, you know, the big reveal in the show, you know, spoilers abound here. So turn this off 
if you haven't seen this, is that Adam is the older version of Jonas. And um, it's interesting how they have these biblical names attached to them. So you have Adam, you have Jonas, you have uh, Noah, right? And right. have these names that are biblically focused. And, you know, uh, it's interesting, kind of piggy-banging, and, and I'm going to get there, is you start into like a children's mystery, a kidnapping story, a murder, a suicide, and um, it develops into something much broader. Mm-hmm. And we get to participate as the characters are participating and revealing and understanding what this is. So I, I kind of break it down in, in twofold. There are stories and there are many stories within the show, but there is a main plot. And the main plot is run by Adam, and Adam's quest is to be uh, in control of time and have this paradise because they talk about this paradise. So this sect has bought into Adam's, um, and they refer to many times with Noah and Claudia saying that Adam is is a liar, he's a fool, and uh, even um, jo- the young uh, Noah pickaxing some uh, man as well, that he has got conviction that this paradise exists and that we just have to trudge ahead. And what's that paradise? The paradise is to be um, uh, hold on to time, is to make time still. And what does that do? That makes us eternal. That makes us immortal. And even out of Adam's mouth, he was, he said, what is God? He said, God is time. So he wants to be God. He wants to still time. And that is what drives this Sikmundus sect is that they are um, looking to their paradise. And their paradise is a world that has no time so they can live eternally. So it's very interesting to this complex um, law that they are trying to um, really... Um, hold on to, control, contain. And um, we see that is how these time travelers in Jonas, in older Jonas, right, and in Claudia, and to um, really stop Adam because they see that ultimately what he is doing is just creating an apocalypse that is just going to end all mankind in order to fulfill this dream that really doesn't exist. Yes, that was wonderful. That um, that kind of nails it. And within that, you have a lot of really interesting characters, albeit in some cases they are older and younger versions of themselves. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's, it's phenomenal. And you got what's the hardest part for me, I think, that anybody's seen the show is when they go back to 1953, when a lot of these adults are kids, right? And then right. you try to figure out, okay, now who are these kids again? I think that was the hardest for me to track was when they went went to ninth was it nineteen yeah nineteen fifty three because I really had a hard time of okay now what kid is this who is this again and right that was that was um, probably the hardest type time that I, it was for me to track although in nineteen fifty three or fifty four whichever it was um, Jonah when he has that relationship with what's that lady's name Marta um, oh, is it um, Marta. Is that the girl? Oh, that's yeah, the girl, and she says that they're connect. He tells her that 
that they're connected and that they're perfect for each other and they will always love each other. Six, yeah, yeah, mm, yep. To me, that was something that helped me feel a little bit more connected to the story. So just just piggybacking on your, when yeah. the kids are younger, some of that interesting stuff happens. And I don't know if it's a bias on my part, but when people are younger and they're not old and shriveled up, um, it I'm more interested in seeing what can develop and what can change in their lives. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the ingenious of the show, actually, is the way they weave in these younger versions of the characters with the older versions and you see where their belief systems get them <laughs> at the right, end of the right. day. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, Al- Alric is a is a prime example and um, the evil Hannah is um, man, wow. Don't cross her path. She'll keep yeah. you in a time period. And <laughs> I know, they don't pull any punches here. I mean, no, they don't. And, um, you know, I think that honestly, if we're going to go picking characters, I think Claudia still is the biggest mystery. Um, we see there's, there's three main characters I feel that we really follow in season two. Um, Jonas, of course, because he is, um, really identified and Tonus teenage, Jonas teenager. Um, we, we learn a lot of. Um, also Claudia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big thing that happens with her that we, um, you know, how she is the head of the, um, the nuclear plant and she's walking around with a suitcase, which is kind of interesting. And then you have Charlotte, <clears throat> right? The private investigator. Yeah. Who's not only she's in, in being the private investigator she is, she is piecing everything together and, um, she has not taken time travel off the table because she is seeing through old newspaper clippings, but at the same time, there's an identity uh, situation with her. So those are the three characters. I think that are the primary characters. Obviously everybody has a part in the story and that's what really makes us uh, marvelous. But if for time's sake, those are the three. Um, and, and I think the biggest mystery that I have in, in all this other than Noah, because Noah still is a big mystery is um claudia the old claudia because she um she is the the white witch right and um but what does that mean uh you know we we see her predicting her own death we see her um working with jonas to kind of move things along um she is at against adam and um but we 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 don't really get a full picture of her. Do you, do you think? Do you, do you see anything that has revealed um, this older version's woman's quest um, in the show? No, you're going to have to help me here. Is she? She's the long hair, scraggly woman. She's oh. she's the older version. She was the 2053. She was in 2053. Is that blue eyes, then, brown eyes, girl? Uh, no, that's the daughter. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, no, you're right. She is the blue and eye, brown eyed girl. You yeah, are that's what it is. Yeah, and when she's older, she she's wandering around and she looks really haggard and all that. Yeah. Exactly. She looks like some um, yeah you know, hermit. Yeah, and, she's uh, yeah. What was the question again? Because I, I haven't figured her out yet. <laughs> I haven't figured her out yet because they spent an awful lot of time with her in the story. Um, you know, trying to figure thing this time travel thing out herself. And she's, yeah, and she's doing a lot of math and she's trying to figure stuff out too. So that's your point. Yeah, you're right. She's up to something. We don't know what. <laughs> we don't know what she's up to. So 
that's what's so great about the show is that there is still so much mystery. And that's a mystery piece because we see her in the 19, uh, or 2019, or no, is it 19? Uh, yeah, she, she is in, oh yeah, that's right. She is the 1986 version that is time traveling that goes to 2019 and visits her daughter who has cancer, right? And she's lugging around this. She's lugging around this suitcase, right, trying to piece everything together. And uh, she gets an appearance from her older self. She gets a appearance from, you know, like, so yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot that there. And so that character is very interesting and mysterious, and we don't really get an answer about her, right? Yeah, another interesting character, which I'm going to have to describe what she looks like so you can tell the audience what her name is, is the blonde... She's got a little bit like mid-length to longer blonde hair. Charlotte, oh, that's is that Charlotte? Is she one that killed the one that kills the her father? No, that's the witch. No, that's the Claudia. Witch. That's Claudia. Yeah, that's, you're all confused there. That's that's who I was talking about. Is Claudia? Okay. Okay. All right. So they do something that's very interesting in the show. So let's tackle it from this way. Okay. They do what. And they and they have you know how they have these quotes in the show and it's almost a precursor of what is going to happen in the show. Yes. And one of it is is they talked about how the future will inflict onto the past. And so Claudia ends up seeing that her father is killed mysteriously in the apartment and she's trying to protect him. Now Egon, right, is on his own little quest and understanding that there is some time travel going on as well. And she um, ends up killing her own dad. Right. And he calls her the white witch. I know. <laughs> that's, that's like, boom. That was huge, right? Yeah. And, and you kind of see it coming because there's nobody else that's going to be barging in there that's going to kill this guy. And you're putting two and two together, but the fact that he called her the White Witch was very interesting. And he already kind of he already understood e- Egon already understood a bit of I got Ulrich locked up in jail, right? <laughs> and uh, so he's put two and two together in this time travel thing. And so that was an interesting how there's many instances in season two how people from the future go back to the past and wreak havoc mainly in 1986 yeah right i will tell you yeah yeah who's the main guy with the shriveled up face and i guess he's the older version of jonas is that Uh, adam adam yeah yeah i don't like that character (laughs) (laughs) tom's participation in the podcast i don't like the shriveled up face guy I don't like his, his like, <laughs> it's his German. It's the German, right? It's, well, it's the, this kind of omni everything wilted, I know everything guy. And, yeah, I, I guess they do a good job with character development because I probably should not like that guy because he's the one that wants to create this euphoria or whatever where, you know, there's a paradise and you have control of time and which is ridiculous, but he still thinks he can do it. And I, his whole persona just drives me nuts. I'll be glad if they at some point move him off the board, but I guess it wouldn't be a good idea because it creates some tension for him to be there. Yeah, it's pretty much the crux of the story. I know. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, he's creepy. Um, I like him a lot as a villain. Um, you know, to be saying that he's the older version of Jonas, that whole scene of them sitting together in the um, couch t- having a conversation, mm-hmm. and the y- y- the younger is looking at the older. Yeah. So that was uh, that was pretty cool, I thought. Yeah. There's some pretty poignant moments between younger and older Jonas, Adam and Jonas. Uh, the other one is when Adam shoots the girl. Yes. And Claudia. Jonas is, Claudia shoots Claudia right in front of him. I mean, they that's what I mean. They don't pull any punches. Like they create the rules and they follow the rules. And when you oh, follow well, the rules. When he shoots Marta. Marta. Yeah. Marta. Yeah. Yeah, and she drops dead, and he's begging that she doesn't die. And or does she actually die in that scene? She does die in that scene, and then yeah. materi- and then mysteriously uh, reappears. Hmm. Timeline? Are you from? She goes. That's not the question. It's what world am I from? And that opened up a whole new. Oh my gosh! Not only we got multiple timelines here, but you're gonna throw in multiple worlds. I can't take this. I'm just grasping the timelines, John. Tom, <laughs> and I'm I'm barely holding on by my fingernails. <laughs> I'm barely holding on. So speaking of barely holding on, we have Nielsen rotting in prison for the entire season. Yes, he is, and in the insane asylum too. So he, yeah, what's his deal? Well, Erwick, he basically had one mission, and that was to go get his son, and uh, his son was Mikhail who became Jonas's father. And uh, that was a kind of an interesting scene. Let's, let's step <laughs> because I don't get this one. Right? Adam sends him back in time to stop his dad from committing suicide. Right? Right. And he reads some letter that he wrote him. He wrote to Jonas. Right. Now he convinces everybody and Claudia all of a sudden steps in and says, no, he has to do it. Hmm. Because it sets everything off. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, it seems like what I got from it, he didn't have any thought of suicide in his head, even though mm-hmm. his wife was just about to go start cheating on Ulrich. Right? Right. And he's in a loveless marriage, but he loves his and adores his son. Mm-hmm. But I love the whole confrontation when he was telling them, you know, that I know that you're Mikhail. I know you're, and I thought that was a real powerful scene. Yeah, I know your time travel, and and then they explain how he went back in the cave, and he says, "Well, you came back and led me into the cave, mm-hmm. which was again interference to make sure the loop stays intact, right? Right. Because here, the current Jonas is trying to find Mikhail, lead him away, and then the future <laughs> Jonas comes in and says, "No, you're my dad. Mm. You got to go this way." <laughs> That's crazy. It was just crazy, but it was so cool. But I still don't understand why his dad had to commit suicide. It just just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. It kind of gets to, so what I want you to do, Bill, because you have studied film at Columbia in downtown Chicago, so you kind of understand maybe more than the layperson would know about how to construct movies and stories. And So I want to ask you a couple of questions as we kind of look at this from a critic's perspective. Right. And we'll start with a really broad umbrella here. And what makes this, what are they doing 
like construct wise in this film, whether it's the story, the visuals, whatever it is, what are they doing that maybe the layperson isn't picking up on? And how is it making the story so much more compelling? Right. So I think that um, it, what they do and they, what they do correctly is, well, first of all, they have everything already plotted out in, ex- in extreme detail. And uh, I think the the layperson we see that because it's confusing. I think right. the fact that it's confusing, yeah, is, is just shows that there's a lot of detail, and um, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. So to to put this together, to put in this into a production, it is almost as if it's the family tree that Adam reveals, right? Mm-hmm. The the Winston the Winston family tree of the town and somebody has already put together this family tree and every single character has their own path and every character is influenced by the past, the present and the future. So that is, that is uh, of all these main characters. They're all an influence, whether they are personally influenced or there is somebody that is close by them in a relationship that is personally influenced. Okay, so let's. Um, I wonder if we should stop there. Does that because answer? It kind of does. I think one thing that I'm hearing is it's got a lot of detail, and it's meticulous, and it's plotted out in a way that's thorough. And Correct. even though it's confusing, if you can take your time and track the narratives, it's actually making it very, very interesting. Is there any property that you would? This is a scary question, but is there a property? when you think about the level of detail and character kind of story development, not so much character development, but story development, would you compare this to like, what does this remind you of what kind of director, what kind of writer, what kind of, you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think that what's hard is, is that, um, they're able to do something that, you know, filmmakers can't do. And that is, make a practically a feature film uh in in 10 episodes <laughs> right right so what's hard to do is to create that in a in a movie um where you have an, a couple hours to be able to accomplish everything right yeah right so i mean one of my favorite time travels uh, movies for a long time was 12 monkeys uh, with Bruce Willis and Terry Gilliam, when they he is um, going to the past to intercept um, the person who released the bacteria that killed the majority of the world and put everybody else underground, mm-hmm. and he's in he's the time traveler. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of detail in that. Um, they have some timelines and some mm-hmm. you are your brother's mother, father, you know, type mm-hmm. of scenario. Yeah. So, um, that type of, um, that, that is what I, I was explaining to someone tonight. I said, that reminds me of, of 12 monkeys. Okay. And, um, yeah, yeah definitely see 12 monkeys because that has that, um, deja vu time travel type of, uh, yeah. Feel to it. So just to pick on something that you said earlier, and I wonder if this is, we're seeing kind of a transition here before our eyes and we just haven't labeled it yet. And that is the advent of a different, the streaming 
because of the the streaming yeah. services becoming so popular and the way they can do these almost HBO level miniseries that are like 8 to 13 episodes we're almost seeing like the spread of almost a different type of film yeah i mean yeah we definitely see that um i think just that's what netflix has done uh, hbo has done um but to a different degree um i mean you could go all the way back to hbo when it first came out when they were putting out um you know back to the sopranos and i think there's a earlier shows i can't remember right off the top of my head but they had um you know, stories within that time, but then they had threads that would continually move forward. Mm-hmm. Now, this one, which is kind of similar, and why they're saying this is, I guess, Stranger Things, uh, Stranger Things is because Stranger Things has a lot of detail, and not every episode is resolved, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You, you're, that's the, you know, the network TV, you have a beginning and end, and it doesn't really carry forward. Um, you know, I think that's what 24 did that was pretty remarkable for its time and lost, right? Is that it was able to carry a story and that you had to come back every week to watch. And then when Netflix came out and I remember, you know, they, uh, all these other groups were like, well, you know, we just want to slowly get people and they're like, no, you need to pull it all out once. And then that happened. So that gave you binging. So yeah there's there's a this medium now in streaming it's a lot more than just a movie where it's going to have a beginning and ending now you have a continuous storyline a continuous growth a continuous you could have mystery you could have reveals you don't have to tell everything at once you could slowly build on it and that's what we're seeing i mean it's a great observation that's what we're seeing in in the streaming world right now and uh, where yeah it's always been beginning end beginning end and you might have carryover because the characters carry over you know um mm-hmm. you know this person's relationship carries over oh they're not having you know soap operas kind of did that right yeah right um, but you there's no finality um so i hate to kind of relate it to soap operas but that's what soap operas were that's how that's, they hooked everybody in. That's what comic books yep. have been over the years, too. Just never-ending stories where the characters remain the same and the story arc kind of goes up and down. It's They're almost like paper versions of the, uh, a, the soap opera model. But getting back to the to this Dark again. Somewhere. This is going somewhere, right? Yes, it is. You think about the visuals. In, yeah. What are they doing visually in this series that you think is unique or that sets it apart or makes it that just kind of um, elevates the interest level for the viewer. I think that they really do uh, for the most part, keep everything dark. Um, They do keep with the title of the show. Uh, You know, even a lit room feels dark. Uh, A lot of where when you're outside, you know, the only time that, it didn't feel dark was when everybody was swimming in the lake and being themselves, right? You're out in the sun. Right. And, um, but quickly, you know, he's in the forest in the, in the shadows watching his other self, right? Jonas watching his self. So there even that voyeurism type of darkness that's still lurking, even though it's sunny outside. 
So um, I think visually that's what they do. And there's a lot of close-ups, um, a lot of in- facial intensity that's on the characters. You, you get to, you're in their face and you get to see their expressions. And um, it's a very common German type of thing is, is to have that type of expressions. And so it's, it's from a film perspective, it's, it's dark, but it's in your face. And then to tie in, the music really mm-hmm. um, carries it over as well. Yeah. Whether they're actually using a song that relates, <laughs> you know, they right. get a song about the future, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, or just sound effects. Mm-hmm. So uh, one thing that we talked about in pre-production, and it's worth discussing, is when you think about character development, the layperson's perspective, and I consider myself a layperson, is they don't do a whole lot of character development in the sense of showing us how characters get from point A to point B. Right. And I don't mean the fact that they crawl through a bridge to a different time period, because they actually do show that. <laughs> I mean, like, how did this character get to a point where they're so emotional about this thing that just happened in front of them? They don't necessarily show you how that got there for that character. And I wanted to get your your opinion as a critic and on this. Is When you think about character development, what are they doing with character development in this series? So, Character development is chronological, right? It is uh, within a time. So that's what's so unique about this is it does go against kind of a, um, I want to say film rules, but story rules where the story is told chronologically. And this is definitely not told chronologically. Um, and because you have a chronological uh, storyline, you'll have chronological um, character development. And so because the timelines are jumping around, y- you don't get to see how people react as much. Um, they, they pretty much stay the same people. Um, Ulrich stays the same person. Uh, Egon, uh, back to, because they spent a lot of time in Egon back in 1951, and then he's uh, an older man in, in um, 2019, and, um, and you see how he is. Um, was it 2019 or 1986? I, I'm confused. Don't ask me. Still, yeah, because Elric is just yelling at him, you're still a goof, you're still, you know, he doesn't change. So when he makes that comment, you realize that he hasn't changed. He's the same person. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a comment I think that I mean that I think the filmmaker is really saying too is that people really don't change. Um, that's because they show that a lot with Hannah, right? She was an evil little girl, manipulative, and she was a manipulative girl when she was older, an older woman. And so you see that you see. Um, Ulrich's wife, I think Christina, she's kind of the same kind of machoistic female, and she still is one as in 1986. So I think part of the point, other than character development is chronological, and the story propels these characters, that the comment that they're also making is everybody's the same. Gotcha. I think that's an important observation of the human psyche and the human, you know, human uh, development. 
If we're not careful and we hold on to the same beliefs, we're going to be in the same spot when we're 80 as we were when we were 20. I mean, think about it. They, they, they nail that. That is a, and, and I think that's a theme that we really don't catch because you're right. We don't see these characters get developing because it's a chronological storyline, but they're the same people every era. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think the one who is, you see that grows actually is Jonas, right? Right. As a teenager and he has a mission. His mission is to get back when he was in, you know, he doesn't, he's risking his life to, to find out what's in the forbidden city that people are gruesomely hung for wanting to know something different and escape. And, um, and so he is, we see him grow because then we, and I love how the, the older version of Jonas reacts with the teenager version of Jonas because you can tell there's some age to him, right? Um, I think Jonas' character actually does grow and matures um, quite a bit. It's pretty interesting because he's the one that turns into the biggest monster in in the form of Adam um, through all this growth. Um. Yeah. (laughs) But it's interesting to see that, and I I mean, that was part of Adam's thing is, is, you know, why he sent him back at a specific timeline is he wants to put things in order to make sure that he exists, right? Yeah. Because Noah did that to his younger self, too, make sure he goes into the bunker uh, with uh, Elizabeth, right, who then becomes the uh, becomes uh, a unit and then gives birth to Claudia. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is. Like, wow, you know, all these things that the older self is making sure the younger self goes down this path because they wouldn't exist at that time if that younger self didn't do a certain thing. Yeah. Now, getting to themes, we've talked about themes a lot in our discussion so far, but let's retrace our steps and without getting too caught into the into the weeds here. I'll name at least one theme you just kind of uh, unearthed for us in this very discussion was an observation of humanity and how people tend to stay the same and don't change that much. That is a theme. Uh, What are some other major themes that you notice that the uh, filmmakers developed in this series in season two? Yeah, I think uh, um, is is a theme of... um, Immortality is is definitely strong here, um, because you have this group, this sect that has bought into it. Um, they use a lot of Greek reference, a Greek mythology that also is tying into everything to this theme of um, a mortal who is trying to be immortal that is fighting with the gods to uh, to you know get their purpose. And, um, you know, in this time, the God is time and they're trying to wrestle with time. So the theme is immortality, a paradise, but yeah. a paradise that is without death. So I don't know. I think that's a theme. Um, There's another observation that just kind of sparked into my little synapses here. So we'll see how how important this is. Um, is the sentimental, emotional moments in this? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. They happen. They add weight to that particular scene, but they don't necessarily track. 
to right. be nearly as important as that thing that you just mentioned. And I think there's kind of a theme in that too. Like there's our emotional experiences kind of add weight to that particular moment, but they're really temporary and they come and go or something on that level. I think that what it's really, really interesting is, yeah, you, you sparked into something. It, it, there's a, there's a selfishness that's there. There's a living for today that's there. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that um, even Jonas's quest right is uh one that is of self purposes that he wants to get back it's not like he wants he he wants to save the apocalypse but he really he wants to go back to the way things were mm-hmm. so he could be with Marta right mm-hmm. because yeah. he's in love with her mm-hmm. and so he's willing to battle time in these infinite loops that he cannot break through so he could be with his love and um, so it's very, like I said before, there's a lot of like uh, Greek myth- mythological type of stories in here that is around the self. Because think about it, that's what Greek mythology was all about was, you know, man was trying to have uh, glimpses of being a god and the gods would then punish them for wanting to be like them because they're immortal. Yeah. And that's what it seems like a lot of times is there's a lot, a lot of that self-interest um, propelling. Yeah. So let us get to a couple of final questions on my end as I kind of lead us yeah. through some of these main topics. Um, I, we kind of tried to go at this a little bit earlier, but maybe our our minds might be a little fresher in about... Yeah, out of the gate there. <laughs> yeah, we might be a little fresher at this point, which would be this whole idea of most good like this is is highly rated critically it's highly rated so usually you're aping imitating learning from previous works is there anything anything that you look at that they're doing here that you've seen done before in other really highly acclaimed critically acclaimed properties and they're pulling it off and it's feeling very original but it is it is borrowed in the sense that it's been learned from something that's been done before. Right. I think from a film perspective, uh, I mean, you have your, um, you know, your 12 monkeys and looper and, um, Oh my gosh, the other one, um, inter, what's the interstellar interstellar. Um, has that, um, what was the other one with, um, uh, Caprio when they're he's going into the dreams and minds of people and um, that has some time quality to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, from a film perspective, there are there's been a lot of time movies uh, and uh, time travel, but I think this one is more tied to literature than anything else, mm-hmm. rather than film, okay. because you can't get that type of depth. Um, you know, what we previously, previously discussed is you're dealing with, um, you know, 50, 52 minutes, um, eight episodes, you know, do the math of how many hours that is of (laughs) where's my calculator. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, you know, of a story, which is more equated to, um, a piece of literature, um, a piece it's a book. And that's why I think that going back to what you're even saying before is what's different is that it's, it's almost that film is becoming literature in a lot of ways. 
um, not a film in its own right where you have, you know, three hours or two and a half hours to have everything explained from beginning to end. And by the time you walk out of the movie theater, you, you have most of your answers given to you. Um, this, and it's more of a, on an entertainment value. This is truly more of a literature value where we just, you know, we saw, we read volume one. We just finished volume two. Now we're waiting for volume three, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to kind of simplify it, it's like the Harry Potter series, yeah. right? You have yeah. these characters and you have this overall theme against this villain, Voldemort. And um, there's going to be a conclusion somewhere. And you had to wait for every book to come out. And that's what this feels like in a, in a broad um Science, more science fiction, um, more detail, and to, to see that the audiences appreciate this um, is, and even though it could be confusing because it's the amount of people that's in German, you got German names, you got different time zones. <laughs> it's um, it, it is your to your point. It's it's film as literature, um, and that that's how I I kind of equate it. So as you think about season three, what are the most compelling questions that are on your mind and keep you interested in knowing what is going to happen in 2020 when they release season three of Dark? Well, the the biggest thing was Marta showing up and grabbing teenager um, Jonas out of the mix. Now, what what happens there? Is this how... We have to figure out how does Adam become Adam, right? That's the biggest question we have in this series. Right. Is how does Jonas become this Adam? Is it now that Marta takes him as a teenager into another world? Is that what does it? Because we, it's, if it's all surrounded by Jonas, Jonas is caught in a loop right now. And his older self is trying to break the loop. His teenage self is trying to figure out what he needs to do. So now this is on a whole different time continuum. So to me is that that's like the biggest reveal. I still think um, a lot of Noah is a mystery. And even with his sister shooting and killing him, Agnes, you know, where did he come from? Is he Boris? You know, is was Boris him? Because he gave him his book, right? Right. Is, is, is he, is that who he becomes? Um, so that's interesting. Um, I think that there's a lot of mystery around Claudia, this, the white witch, what, what is her purpose and all this? How does she end up fighting Adam? Um, and then you get kind of like the minor story storylines of, okay, what is Hannah going to do in 53? Does Ulrich ever get out? Um, when, uh, the, the two, when they had the big, um, God particle and the nuclear factory and the, and the mother, daughter, daughter, mother touch the circle what happened there um so I, I i think how does this group form i mean we see pictures we get flashback of the 20s so i think there's still more to reveal about the group themselves that is still a mystery that hasn't been revealed i think we kind of kind of learned a lot of already about what has led up to the apocalypse and um i don't know if there's really more that they could really tell i'm sure they could probably tell more but, um, you know, now you got, uh, what's her name entering the portal gate to find Mikhail too. 
So does she pull Mikhail out? Now Jonas doesn't exist. So there's a lot of, right? A lot of little mysteries <laughs> like that that and still there's... You know, mess with time, and maybe that's what happened. It, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting because if you think about it, if she does pull Mikhail out of 1986, rescues Ulrich, bring her back to uh, 2019, now Jonas doesn't exist, but Jonas is now with Marta in another time continu- continuum. You see what I mean? See, that's how I could kind of see how that works because I'm so like, I understand kind of like what they're trying to do with time and how they're really making a point of how if you do, you can interrupt time and change the course events because Jonas should really not exist as a person. He is a, yeah. a, a result of time travel. Um, not Claudia, the, um, uh, I keep on remember her name, the detective, her, her, um, don't ask me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she doesn't exist because her father is, is uh, Jonah and her, you know, her daughter. It's like, oh my gosh. So there's some actual characters that really only exist within time travel because of time travel. Yeah. Uh, they don't exist in a chronological continuum. So there's, there's certain characters that are just barreling through this story. Yeah. Like Hannah, who is <laughs> who's kind of on her own little mission. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And uh, Mikhail's mother is another one. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and then you got the the kids because you do see them with Adam, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, because he, you know, he gets convinced by Adam to go rescue the three kids and bring them to to uh safety and so yeah there's uh, there's like these little mini storylines of how they're all connected but the big storyline is how did adam become adam how did noah become noah how did these guys form this sect why did they form this sect yeah and um you know how does claudia against this sect how is older jonas just continually is he trapped forever in these loops so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of look forward to in you know, and I have time travel is in a little ball. So you go from a, a cave to a machine to a ball. Well, it used to be a chair because right. then the, the chair broke. <laughs> so it was like the chair, the, um, you know, the, the tunnel, the, um, the machine, and then now it's a little ball. What's next? A watch. Right. So, yeah. So it's very, very interesting. I don't think I don't think we're going to rate this unless Bill, you want to put a no, rating. I, I, no. Out of ten, I mean, I'm I'm there. I, I I agree with the critics and the audience. I'm I'm a ten out of ten. I I have I haven't had. Um, I I wouldn't say that the show has like bothered me in a sense. Like I think House on Haunting Hill that kind of bothered me. There's a lot of because scoops, you know, spooks and scariness kind of a way of creating chills and emotions that are different. This is truly cerebral. And, um, you know, I, and I'm intrigued. Uh, it's like I read the book and now I'm waiting for the next book. Yeah. And I got everything out of this that I needed to get out of it. And now I'm waiting for the next book. Yeah. That's, that's how I kind of feel. But I feel like I just read the book and that was a great book. I read the second book. That is just as good as the first book. Man, the third book is going to have to be as good as the other two because the writers has got it all figured out together. So yeah, yeah I'm giving it a ten out of ten. 
Yeah. And if there's anyone out in the audience that's a little bit like me that's having trouble keeping up with the narratives and the names and the stories and everything, we have a chance to rewatch this. There it's there's not too many episodes, so I probably will take time and rewatch it so that when season three comes around I'll be a little bit more connected to where we are in the story and a little bit in a better place to kind of catch up uh, when season three starts uh, next year. So that has been our review, Bill. We're all done reviewing Dark Season uh, season 2. I I think that uh, I'm pretty satisfied, Tom, because um, it's like creating a time travel movie in, um, you know, 60 minutes. Yes. And we absolutely (laughs) conquered time in less than 60 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Literally, if we ever wanted to get into microscopic detail of the show, it is like you have to watch an episode, talk about it, go do it again. But the funny thing is, this show is a lot like if you reviewed like the seventh episode now you have to talk about the first episode right so it's like the review becomes time travel too tom no each episode would grow in length exponentially by the end we'd be talking for 13 hours i don't know what happened tom what do you know all right next time (laughs) well bill i think we're gonna sign off for this episode excellent all righty so for now and until next time this has been heroes garage bye-bye now